So today I want to discuss the Joker sequel. Joker Folia 2 or Madness of Two. Madness of Two. And now rumors surface that Lady Gaga is in talks to play Harley Quinn. It's also rumored that this Joker sequel is to be a sequel that is a musical. This is a touch concerning for me, but it's also exciting for me. And I'll tell you why. I think that the potential of Lady Gaga and Joaquin Phoenix together in a Joker sequel based on what I've seen from both of these actors, I think that Todd Phillips has a very clear and a very, very honest vision of what he wants to do in his films. And I think that Lady Gaga is literally the perfect casting for Harley Quinn. She's got this very deep, New York accent buried deep within her. We've seen it a few times throughout her career. You know, she's just, on top of that, she's incredibly, like, incredibly talented. Like, one of the best female vocalists in the game right now. And I mean, yeah, her music is pop. Her music is sort of mainstream at times. But she's always done what she wanted. I've always been a fan of Gaga. And I think that the way that she's reinvented, reinvented herself as an actress and, you know, she won an Oscar for A Star Is Born for her song Shallow. And I just think that she's turning a new leaf. And Lady Gaga is the perfect choice for Harley Quinn. But it raises a concern for me when I think of Joaquin Phoenix as Joker, once again, as Arthur Fleck. Where does he come into this? Where is he, why is he singing? Why is, like, let's take the word musical with a grain of salt. Because a lot of times, early on in a film's, let's say, early stages of life, when the writers have completed a script, when you know, rumors start to surface of who's being cast, oftentimes there's another rumor that's attached to that. And I believe that this could be, like truly could be a musical. But I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. For the simple fact that 
Todd Phillips might use Gaga's sort of vocal side and maybe Arthur Fleck is still going to comedy shows or still going to these sort of Gotham nightclubs and that's where he runs into a girl like Harley Quinn, Harleen Quinzel. I think there's definitely a story to be told there. I think there's definitely a version of Harley Quinn that fits in perfectly with Arthur Fleck and that Joker universe. I also think that there's potential that Todd Phillips could go down the road of Batman in that universe too. Maybe not as a main character, but we know we've seen young Bruce and I'm curious as to what the timeline's gonna look like for this film. Like, where are we at with Arthur? Where are we at? Like, has time passed? Are we 10 years, 20 years later? Like, the best part about this stage of a movie is a lot of times some exciting, exciting points come out. Like, oh, Gaga's being cast, and oh, it's a musical, and oh, this is the title, you know? And there's that picture that Todd Phillips posted of Joaquin Phoenix holding the script, reading the script. Joaquin Phoenix has never done a sequel before. So it leads me to believe that Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, who wrote this, who wrote this script, it leads me to believe that they have something really interesting that piqued Joaquin's interest once again. Because let's be honest, Joaquin is, you know, he's one of the most sought after actors out there right now. And it's a tall tall uh, feat to recast Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker once again in this world where Arthur Fleck exists and you know he he killed a talk show host in the first film I think that Todd did a great job with the first film and it won the Oscars that it should have won. It, it won the best performance. Joaquin Phoenix won best actor for playing the Joker, which I think a lot of people, including me, thought would never happen again after Heath Ledger. So it's like, it's a big ask to do a sequel on a film that did so well and a film that was sort of like, it felt like a one-off film. You know, it felt like a standalone, deep dive character study of one of the greatest villains of all time. And why did he end up the way that he is? You know, when we get into the mental health aspect and all this other stuff. But I truly believe that there's another story. Will it be as good? Well, that's hard to say. That's really hard to say. I think there's a lot of potential here and I just wanted to say about this Joker sequel that you could have you know endless sort of plot lines like Todd really doesn't have to stick to the plot of the first story he doesn't have to connect it that much I just think it's important to maintain the same tone that he had of the first one and I think he'll do that I just get worried with the term musical attached to this specific style of film. That's exactly how I feel 
with this news coming out. I love musicals. Anybody who knows me knows that I adore them. Like, I absolutely love musicals. And when we're talking about a Joker tale that could potentially be a musical, it has potential to be one of my favorite movies ever just because of the person that I am and that I love musicals, etc. But I worry. I worry that the term musical is attached to a movie and a character surrounding a world in Gotham, this dark, gritty world that Todd set up, you know, with such a dark tone and such a dark topic in the sense that mental health is a very sensitive topic and that's the route he chose to go with the first one and it worked really well and it suited the story and I thought that Joaquin was phenomenal. But with a musical, it could be lighthearted. You know, it could be a lighter tone. It could be things that, you know, a studio like Warner Brothers jumps on and wants to make it a little more polished, a little more, you know, viewer friendly. Will they do that? I really hope not. I really hope they maintain this tone that Todd set up in the first film. And it's just weird to even say the first film now because I always pictured Joker as a stand-alone movie. I called it a masterpiece at the time it was released because it is. It's like a very detailed, very specific style and tone of film that Todd Phillips had his hands all over. You know, there was, they were even going as far as to rewrite the script during shooting. Like they were just going on a whim. They were doing crazy things. Like they would have Joaquin dance. Like the one of the best scenes in Joker is when Joaquin Phoenix goes into the bathroom stall after his first kill, essentially. And instead of, you know, the script had originally said that he went to the bathroom and started throwing up. He got sick to his stomach about what he just did. But instead, they sort of played the the soundtrack, the score, the movie score for Joaquin, and he just started this very contemporary dance. And that was a very artistic scene, and that was a very, like, jarring scene because it's like, wow, this is Joker, and this is exactly how I would imagine my Joker to act in the comics. But the way Todd did it was really, really well done, and I just think that there are some aspects there with a sequel that could be really fascinating. And I've already got my line set up that I'm just going to say and I'm going to attach to this movie for the entirety that it's being made all the way to the point where it's in theaters. And I'm just going to say, like my line for this movie is, give it a chance. I think everybody needs to give this a fair chance because as I said, I consider Joker to be a masterpiece and anything of that caliber, a movie of that caliber and a movie that was that good and got recognition from the Academy deserves an encore. Will it be good? It's hard to say. 
but you have the right to an encore. You have a right to a sequel when you make a movie that is that successful and that well done. And I like I commend Todd Phillips because he's a guy who listen, this guy made three hangover movies. He made War Dogs. He made all kinds of different things, right? That weren't this genre of film. And then it was like, oh, Todd Phillips is going to do a Joker movie. But it's going to be a dark character study on the character. And it's starring Joaquin Phoenix. And he wrote the script for Joaquin Phoenix. And Joaquin Phoenix agreed to do it. And we got what we got. You know, Joaquin starved himself. Joaquin had you know, a condition. This Joker has a condition where he can't stop laughing, even in awkward scenarios, you know, even in a scenario where maybe laughing is not smiled upon. It's more frowned upon, you know, and you feel for that guy throughout that entire movie. So my question becomes, are we going to feel for Arthur again? Or is Arthur going to be sort of this more developed Joker, you know? If he's meeting Harley, Har, Harley Quinn, there's a good chance that he's, you know, spent some time as the character, as Joker. And what's the look going to be? That's the other thing, right? There's so much up in the air for me right now, and all we have is a title and a couple of rumors. So I'll say, give it, give it a chance. Don't take anything too seriously. Put on a happy face and enjoy the news that comes out about this film because I guarantee you that with each day that new news comes out about this sequel you're going to be either intrigued or you're going to be shocked but I don't think it's time to start making assumptions and start being like oh this is not going to be a good film or oh this sounds really really risky or this sounds this that the other you know and that was my that was my gut reaction to the news of a sequel. That was my gut reaction to uh, it being classified as a musical or rumored to be a musical. But that was not my reaction to Lady Gaga being cast because that, to me, is a perfect casting. And when I, was, when I had heard that there was a Joker sequel and it was called Folie à deux, Madness of Two, I thought to myself, this is either going to be Batman, you know, like a shared madness between him and Joker or like a similar madness or it's going to be Harley Quinn. But I thought to myself, well, what are they going to do with Margot Robbie? They're going to really do more than one Harley Quinn now. But now I see it. And I think if Todd continues to, you know, make movies of this caliber, I consider Todd Phillips movie uh to be like a DC Black Label movie in a sense. If DC could find, like, so DC Black Label is um, a, basically it's a section of DC Comics. It's a brand of DC Comics. And they tackle darker tales. They tackle, you know, it's, it's maybe more adult content in a sense. And I think if like Warner Brothers wanted to do like a DC Black label, um, I, I really feel as though that would have more success than this sort of mainstream cartoony DC, campy DC that they're trying to promote all the time. I mean, let's be honest, like 
you know, you're either a, you're either an action movie guy or you're not an action movie guy. And action movies have a tendency to be extremely cheesy. And DC's movies are extremely cheesy up to this point. Besides, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which at times is cheesy as well. But it just has felt like Warner Brothers wants DC to be so campy and so cartoony and relatable that they just don't do their characters justice. And when you take directors like Todd Phillips and you take directors like Andy Machete and you take directors like Zack Snyder and you let them complete the visions that they're looking for, I'll throw David Ayer in there too because we still haven't seen his version of Suicide Squad. It's, you need to let your directors spread their wings and do what they're good at. And it seems like they're letting Todd Phillips do that which is cool and it's very like it's optimistic for the future I'm optimistic for the future of DC you know I'm not optimistic for Black Adam this is what I'm talking about with action movies I watched that trailer and listen like it's The Rock and I like The Rock I think he's a fantastic celebrity I think that he's not only a a good person and a good human being but he's important for the film industry because he's a really big face in the film industry and he's one of the most popular faces on the planet. And to have him as one of your anti-heroes or, yeah, I mean, Black Adam is an anti-hero. He's a villain, you know? And he teams up with the Justice League sometimes and he teams up with certain characters sometimes in the comics, but I just, DC... And Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers is the main reason that they pussyfoot around these iconic characters like Superman, like, well, Batman's been done justice. Thank the Lord that Matt Reeves was, you know, there when everything went down with the Batman. But with characters like Superman and Flash and Aquaman, Like, you need specific directors to do their specific take instead of all of this world building. So now Aquaman 2 is coming out at some point, The Lost Kingdom. And you have, I mean, there's not much they can do about the Amber Heard thing. There's there's really not. Like, that's, that's a tough break. Like, you cast a bitch, she turns out to be a bitch... (laughs) And here we are, you know, and now you have an Aquaman sequel that's already filmed with her in it. And there's all these rumors coming out that they're reducing screen time here and reducing screen time there. And now the newest rumor is that she's actually being recast and they're going to do reshoots with a different actress, which we don't know. I mean, I've seen, you know, a lot of fans. They want Amelia Clark from the Game of Thrones series. Uh, who plays Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dragons. She, like, I don't know if anybody that listens to my podcast has seen that edit, but if you haven't, look up Amelia Clark Mira. And Mira looks, in the comics, to me, like Amelia Clark. And I think Amber Heard was the perfect casting visually. But Amelia Clark would be 
a phenomenal casting as Mira. Just because she's got that little bit more... She's more interesting. She's better with her words. She's... She, the way she delivers lines is so much better, in my opinion. And she's actually British. She's not faking an accent like Amber was. There's just... It's so muddy. And I think that Aquaman 2 is going to flop. I think that James Wan is a fantastic director. I think he's great. And he's going to do some really cool things with that film. But I thought the first Aquaman was going to flop. And it's honestly, like out of everything that DC's released from like that sort of cartoony side that I'm talking about, Aquaman is by far my favorite because James Wan does add those horror elements. He does add the trench. He does add these sort of like shots that you wouldn't expect in a superhero film. And it sort of catches you off guard. It's like, wow, this is a beautiful shot. This guy's an amazing director. And James Wan, who does only horror, like he only has a track record of really horror films. He's the ideal director for something DC. And here they are. They, they have Andy Machete doing the Flash film with multiple Batman with multiple Flash characters, with, you know, who knows what else for cameos. Like, Supergirl, obviously, is in it, too. Like, they're introducing new characters. They're bringing back old characters and Michael Keaton. They're opening the multiverse. Like, that's all exciting stuff. But Andy Machete is also a horror-driven director. Like, he directed the two uh, Stephen King It movies. It 1 and It Part 2. He's a good director. Horror film directors or directors that come from the horror genre have a tendency to have a great eye for not only cinematography and, you know, what the shot should be, but they also, like, respect every little detail of a shot, I find. And the more detailed that they get with these directors and the more specific they get with who they choose to become the next vision for their next hero, their next movie, is going to be huge. They need to continue to do these creative, risk-taking directors. And to hear that they brought Todd Phillips back for a Joker sequel, I'm excited about it. That's my official take. I'm excited. I'm going to give it a fair chance. No matter what news comes out, I'll talk about the news. We can discuss it. Does it worry me? Yeah. There's there's things that we can worry about in the film industry when we hear things like this. But it's also like, okay, so I was not worried about the Kenobi series at all. That was something I was like, yeah, it's going to be good no matter what. And it is. Like, I'm on episode five, and I know that episode five... They're going to break it open a little bit here. And, you know, it came out last night. I haven't watched it yet. But I'm thinking that they're going to do some, you know, Fallen Order stuff. And we're going to see Anakin. Like, we better see a younger version of Anakin. Or not even a younger version, but just, like, fill in some of those gaps between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. You know, give us some Obi-Wan training Anakin or, you know, whatever. 
And we've seen a lot of different Order 66 things in Kenobi. But I want to see, like, Anakin in Order 66. Like, you don't just cast Hayden Christensen, bring him back, and not use him. You know what I mean? I saw Revenge of the Sith in 2005 with my dad. Um, and it was like a movie that was really hyped for me because, like, 7-Eleven came out with the first sort of 3D cup that I can remember. And it had Darth Vader on it. It had the lava scene with uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin facing off. And their lightsabers just kind of connecting. Like, you know that one shot, that famous shot from Revenge of the Sith. Which, by the way, I'm going to state this for the record on this podcast. I, for a long time, have been trying to decide what my favorite Star Wars movie is. It's Revenge of the Sith. No questions. I like the other ones. I don't like some of them. But Revenge of the Sith is just my all-time favorite. And the fact that we're getting some backstory from Obi-Wan and stuff like that, it just gets me so excited. So excited for what they could do. And... I don't know what the finale is going to be in this, but so far, Obi-Wan has been quite underwhelming. So that's what I'm talking about when I say, like, I had all these expectations for Obi-Wan, but I was like, oh yeah, they're going to meet all my expectations. But they haven't so far. You know, there's a couple of really cool things, and it's a great show so far. But it's also been kind of mediocre. The CGI has been mediocre. I just expected more. So you can have expectations going into a film, going into a series, going into whatever. There are expectations, but what you need to consider and what you need to remember is that everything deserves a chance. And sometimes it's better to go in with no expectations at all. And that's what I've learned over the past, you know, four years of really paying attention to this stuff. It's, if I have expectations, there's potential that I'm going to be disappointed. Because, in my head, I picture it a certain way, and on the screen, I see it completely different, and I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. But that's not very fair, is it? Instead, I've started going to movies, and I will go in with, you know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, go in with an open mind. But legitimately, I go into these films with... A complete open mind. Like, I know the rumors, I know the details, I know what the plot might be, but if I go in with no expectations for what I'm actually going to see, even though I might know the plot, even though I might know what events could occur, I don't try and picture what those events might look like or what this live action suit is going to look like on this character or how these fight scenes are going to look. And that's what I used to do. And it did lead me to be disappointed in some films. But the moral of the story here is, I think that a fair chance for any and all movies that you're interested in, you just can't create the plot in your head. You can't visualize the plot in your head. You gotta go in expecting nothing. And when I go in expecting nothing in a film, I have a great, great time. And you know what's great is when a sequel like Joker is announced, 
I can go and just watch Joker again. I haven't had any real reason to re-watch Joker. Like, I obviously, when it came out, I was... Like, when movies come out for the first time, I watch them, like, four or five times. You know, it's... A, it's Honestly, it's a way of easing my anxiety. I watch things repeatedly, all the time. Familiarity. That eases my anxiety. If I know what's about to happen in films, if I know how plots go, I can really enjoy them and I can look for the little details in films. And that really makes me calm. And that's like one of my favorite hobbies is to rewatch a film I've watched a thousand times and just enjoy it for what it is. Know the lines, know what's, you know, you can almost submerse yourself in the actors and listen to how they deliver the lines and think to yourself like, these celebrities, these actors, they get this script and it's just a script that's written. And obviously when they're on set, they're acting, right? Or they're acting a certain way that they're directed to do. But it's also like they need to get there. You know, you need, like I think of like myself today, I'm doing this podcast right now um, in my work vehicle, in my work truck. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm literally at a standstill at work right now. Like I have nothing that I can go and do until I get this stuff prepped for me, which there's, there's some workers that are, you know, prepping, uh, the task that I'm going to be doing. I, I need it cleaned and I need it, you know, uh, basically buffed off so I can do the inspection because I inspect things. This is a tangent you weren't expecting today. But I'm sitting here in my work truck doing this podcast and I think to myself, what did I have to do to get ready for today? What did I have to do to get ready to do this task, to perform this task, you know? And I just think like these, these actors that go into a movie set, you know, they hop into their trailer, they have, you know, the nice AC trailer, they're probably sitting there getting their makeup done, whatever the case is, getting their costumes on, getting fitted for it. But the bottom line is that camera is going to roll and you have to deliver some kind of a performance on that day that is going to be worthy of the director saying, all right, this is what I wanted. This is perfect. You know, good work. And I think to myself, like, sometimes movies are shot for six to eight months at a time. Sometimes it's three months. But like, these actors are not going to be on point every single day. You know, you're going to have bad days no matter what. Like, the bad days come. And they don't give you an announcement when they're coming. It just happens. So I like, I really do tip my cap to the actors who take on superheroes for, you know, especially the ones who are asked to do it or who are sought after for a certain role because they look a certain way or they sound a certain way. Like, I have no question in my mind that Todd Phillips probably wrote this sequel to Joker with Lady Gaga in mind, just as he wrote the original script for Joker with Joaquin Phoenix in mind. James Wan wrote the script to Aquaman with Amber Turd in mind. No, she was a minor character. We need to leave that in the past. We need to 
stop bringing Amber Heard into the media. Au revoir. Au revoir. Goodbye. Folie à deux. Madness of two. Au revoir. Goodbye, Amber Heard. Because we're never going to hear of Amber Heard in a role as big as Mira again. And I think that justice was served with Johnny Depp. I think that both sides were at fault to a certain degree. Let's leave it. You know, we've had what's felt like two months now of just everyday Amber Heard content. And I'm ready to move on past that. And I'm ready for the new casting of Mira, if that's true. If not, maybe I'll skip through 10 minutes of footage that Amber Heard is in when I watch Aquaman The Lost Kingdom at home because there is no damn way I'm going to see that sequel in theaters. Yeah, yeah, I might go see it. I mean, I'm a comic book movie guy. I got to go see that shit. Listen, guys, this has been a lot of fun. I... I love talking about this. Obviously, you know, the content just keeps coming. Like the Batman sequel, you know, we're probably a couple of months away from some form of an announcement, maybe September, October, somewhere in there is my guess. Uh, but, you know, that's coming too. And what are they going to do with the Flash film? Like there's so much content. There's so much to talk about. Like last, the last podcast I did, I talked about Robert Eggers' The Northman. And listen, like, The Northman is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And I talk about it in that podcast about how much I adored that film. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, these movies are why I started this podcast. And if they start, if they keep coming in waves like they are, it's endless content and it's super fun to do you know and with Marvel doing what they're doing and DC now sort of catching their stride with this new era it's exciting times it's a great time to be a comic book movie fan I thank you guys for listening I've been comic book movie guy take care we'll see you on the next one I'm comic book movie guy En rire qui se perd sous sa blouche Voilà le potre sans retouche De la maquillage J'appartiens Quand il me prend dans ses bras Il me parle tout pas Je vois la vie en Je sens dans moi, mon 
Would anybody like some French chips tonight?